0: This is NPR's Life Kit, and I'm Janice Torres-Rodriguez. Usually, I'm hosting my own show about all things money, Yo Quiero Dinero. I'm here on Life Kit to talk with personal finance expert and author, Michelle Singletary, about her new book, What to Do With Your Money When Crisis Hits. For me, the first thing I thought of when I was reading the book was like... That pamphlet that you see in the airplane before you're going to take off, like it's not going to tell you how to drive the plane, but it's going to tell you how to survive if something goes wrong. Oh, I wish I had thought about that because
1: that so explains this book.
0: There are plenty of uh,
1: great personal finance books out there. But when you're in the middle of a crisis, when you're trying to figure out what to pay, you're not going to grab a book on retirement savings and read it, you know, 200 pages of that. You want a quick answer
0: that will get you on the right track. In this episode of Life Kit, buckle up. We're going to help you weather financial turbulence, like when the country is in a recession, or you lose your job. And we'll answer those hard questions about where to turn when you've hit a financial crisis, When is it okay to ask for a loan? And what bills you should prioritize? If you're thinking this isn't for me. We're coming through the
1: pandemic right now. This crisis hopefully is ending. But guess what? There's going to
0: be another one after it. And you need to be prepared for it. So get ready for takeoff. It might get a little bumpy, but we'll have a smooth landing. In the book, you say that you manage your money like you're in a perpetual recession. So I'm curious why you decide to take that approach and how we can let calculated caution not turn into fear about money, right? Because that's the thing that so many of us are dealing with. That's exactly right. In my
1: head, I have to always be prepared for the worst and hope for the best. The time in which I have the hardest to get people to say, is when they're doing really well. And you would think that when you're doing really well, that's the time you're going to be saving and doing all the things. But you just think the happy days are going to continue forever. And, oh, I can get to that saving tomorrow. Or, yeah, I'm going to eventually increase my retirement account when I do all this other stuff. But I need you to concentrate right now on what you can do to better your finances to prepare for that next crisis. Not out of fear, but out of preparation.
0: Yeah, I love that advice. So if someone is currently facing a layoff or a furlough, how do they decide what bills should be paid first? Traditionally, financial experts say,
1: oh, you know, you try to pay all your bills, pay them on time, and we just drill that into people's head until they lose their job and there's such limited income. Yes, they don't want you to continue to pay your debts, but when you don't have enough income, You just pay for what you need, a roof over your head and food on a table. And in some cases, it's just the food on the table because you might have a little bit of breathing room to not pay your rent or even your mortgage. And I know that hurts people. They try to pay a little bit on everything and then they don't have enough for the food on the table. And so I need people to release themselves from that guilt. So you pay for the food. You pay keeping that car going so you can look for a job. You know, those are the things that you have not concentrate on. You know, don't worry about your credit card bill right now. We can fix that later. And while that is an obligation that you, I want you to be uh, concerned about, not when you don't have any income.
0: One of the first places that people might turn to for support financially is friends and family. So when is the right time to ask for a loan versus a financial gift? So there is never a right time to ask for a loan. You
1: shouldn't ask for a loan. This is just going to blow people away because they're just like, what? I got to pay this back. I, I really need people to talk their pride. And if they're in a financial crisis, go to the people who love them and care for them and say, I've lost my job. I don't know when I can pay you back. I don't want to make a promise that I'm going to break and hurt our relationship. So if you can afford it, can you help me out with X? Listen, I I don't have enough for rent and groceries. I can cover the rent. Can you help me with my groceries? And you got to come at people that way. And I think, people will be surprised at the number of folks in their life who say, Absolutely. But we come to them with a loan because we feel like we have to have that obligation. Like it's the it's the right thing to do. Except when you can't pay them back, then that ruins the relationship. And I need people on the other side of that conversation to relieve people of that need to pay you back. So whenever anybody approaches me, you know, family or friends, I say right away, this is not a loan. And if I write them a check, I on the memo line. And this happened recently. I said, this is not in capital letters, alone, just as a reminder to them that it's okay that you came to me. I have the resources. I'm okay with that. I wouldn't give you what I can't afford. And I release them of that obligation. And we never speak about it again. That's the other thing. If you're going to do that, don't keep bringing it up. Well, you know I helped you out when. You need to give and forget. Because then if you keep bringing it up, the person
0: feels like they have to pay you back. So just don't say anything. Yeah, that level of transparency, I think, is the difference between money getting in the way of relationships are actually fostering them and making them even deeper. Right. Okay. So in a pinch, right, people might be tempted to turn to predatory lending options like payday loans or title loans. Why should we avoid these things at all costs? So payday
1: loans are loans that are uh, given to uh, people based on their next paycheck. So all you have to have is a paycheck. And title loans is that say your car is paid off of and you use the title as collateral against that loan. Now, what happens in that situation is, say you've got a car that's worth $5,000 and you borrow $500, but you default on that. Now they take your $5,000 car for that $500 loan. And that's why those title loans are particularly dangerous. Um When you look at the fees and you annualize those fees and turn them into an interest rate, which you should, and many consumer advocates do this, you will see that those fees translate to interest rates of anywhere from 300% to 1,000%. And so if you were in trouble and someone said, hey, I'm going to lend you money at 300%, you wouldn't do it. Think about this. If you're in a jam and you don't have enough money, now you're pledging money from your next paycheck. You're already behind. How are you then going to catch up? And studies show that many people end
0: up in a debt cycle With these loans, something we saw with the pandemic was the IRS allowing folks to withdraw money out of their retirement accounts in order to deal with emergencies that came up as a result of COVID-19. What are your thoughts on taking 401k loans or early withdrawals from your retirement accounts in order to make ends meet when you're experiencing a financial emergency? Yeah, you know, I can sit in my
1: nice, cushy job in my
0: home office,
1: having never lost my job, to say, don't dare touch that retirement account. That is just cruel, I think. It is a pot of money that many people felt like they had to touch as a last resort. So in the book, I talk about where to go before you reach that point. But if you've tapped everybody that you could or there was nobody to tap, if you had no savings, and I definitely want you to skip going to get a payday loan, then that is a source of money that you can tap. It's not ideal. I'd hope and pray that you don't have to do it. But if you do... Go ahead and do it because sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Now, don't take a, a lot of the money, you know, take it, you know, little by little as you need it. So you don't want to take out $2,000 when you only really need a thousand.
0: Can you walk us through that order of succession when it comes to who you should be talking to, what resources you should be accessing when you're in a financial crisis?
1: Yeah, so first of all, Go through all of your savings, all of it, right? Because that's why it's there. And then you go to friends and family and and do just what I said before, you know, ask them to help you out. And then, you know, community groups, church organizations, um, you know, many of churches uh, and synagogues and religious organizations have funds that they set aside for members in need. And then, you know, obviously state and federal funds apply for unemployment benefits, if necessary, apply for welfare Medicaid. Use those resources. That's what they're there for. If all of that's not available, then you can tap, if you have it, um, your retirement funds. It's going to cost you, but it's there. And I'm not even going to mention those other things because I don't even want you to get down to payday and title loans. I just want you to take those off the list completely.
0: So you mentioned savings, and I think there's a lot of confusion about, is an emergency fund enough as far as savings, right? Because there are other things that we want to save for. Um, What do we do? How many types of savings accounts should people have in order to be able to adequately deal with emergencies? So I like to joke that I'm a pot person,
1: (laughs) but not that kind of pot. (laughs) I like to have my money in different savings pots. It is a way to organize my savings and also prevent me from tapping money that I shouldn't be tapping. And so I have an emergency pot. I have something called a life happens pot which is different from the emergency fund because uh, the emergency fund, that's your dire, that's fun. That is the money, you've lost your job, you've had income disruption. That's like the emergency, emergency hatch, right? Um, and life happens is the pot of money when life happens. Uh, your car breaks down. If you got kids, they gonna break something. You know, that's the pot that you uh, reach for. In those situations, because a lot of times people don't have the emergency funds when they get in a crisis because they've been dipping into it. I call it really a slush fund Um, and because, you know, money slushes in, money slushes out. And then it's not there when you truly need it. And so that's where the life happens pot comes from. If you're super disciplined, you can have all the money in one pot. That's fine. I'm not even like that. So if I'm not like that, I think you mere mortals should have a lot of pots.
0: (laughs) What's your take on the type of savings account? Should we be using high-yield savings accounts? Is it okay to just use your local bank or credit union? What's your opinion on that?
1: That's such a great question because people are always asking me, I've got all this money. You know, they're very fortunate to have an emergency fund, but it just is not earning anything. And I just go, and? Because, listen, that's not that money's purpose. That money's purpose is just to be there. And right now, interest rates are just crazy low right you get just you almost have to pay the bank to hold your money don't worry about that its job is to be there risk-free i'm not trying to grow the principal i'm just trying to make sure it's there if i need it now i do uh you know search for it and make sure that i'm investing and getting growth in my other pots of money like my retirement account like my children's college fund um those kinds of things, you certainly can, you know, set up a system where you're you know trying to earn as much as you can. But don't worry about what those other pots are earning
0: all right. Let's talk about financial scams and schemes. I feel like every time I turn on the news, there's some new thing that we have to be worried about. What are some of the most common schemes that we should be looking out for?
1: Well, right now in many communities, particularly minority communities, there's Ponzi and pyramid schemes. So the big thing is like the SUSU, uh, which is sort of a savings technique that many immigrants uh, use where people pool their money and somebody gets you know, the pot of savings every month. Um, but now people have used that to create these uh, pyramid schemes where say you put in 500 and they promise you $4,000. Now, you know that's scam, come on now. If they say, I can guarantee you return, you're about to be scammed. You know, if they say, I got something that nobody else knows too, you're about to be scammed. Uh and so just you know just pause. And if you just pause and do due diligence, you'll find that you won't be um scammed. But lots of people trust folks because say your sister brings them to you or your uncle or even your pastor I don't trust nobody I don't even trust my husband if he brought something to me I'm like dude I'm checking this out I'm not sleep with you but I'm checking this out you know <laughs> and that's what you have to do because the scammers know that people feel like they're behind the curve. They know that people are anxious to grow their money. They know that people are behind in savings. And so they're eager to find a quick fix, a quick way to make money. Uh, and they play on that. They play on your trust. You know, don't give anybody any information who who initiated a call to you. Um, just trust no one. Yeah,
0: excellent advice. So if you're finding yourself right now in a financial crisis, what are your top tips for preparing, handling and getting through that emergency?
1: The number one tip I have is to forgive yourself. Right. You feel so guilty. You hear, you hear me say all this stuff. You're like, I didn't do none of that stuff. I don't want, that's not what I want. I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to feel energized. I want you to feel motivated. I'm trying to motivate you. I'm not going to beat you on the head. You did what you did. And maybe you didn't even know what you were doing. That's okay. Um, but once you know better, I need you to do better right? That's the thing. You're listening to me. I'm giving you some great tips. Don't just say, oh, that's right. And then go back and do the same thing. And then, you know what? Take it slow. Yeah, I'm telling you a whole bunch of stuff that requires a lot of money and discipline, but if you can only save $25, just save $25. If you can only save $5, just save $5. You'll just be better for it. And once you develop that habit at the lower levels, when you start to make money or you get back on track, then it'll become easier because you've got more money at, at, at hand.
0: Yeah, I think it's an important reminder that nothing bad lasts forever. And if you're prepared next time around, because it's not if, it's when. That's uh, right. You can find yourself in a much better situation the next time. That's right. For more episodes of Life Kit, go to npr.org slash life we have one on how to boost your credit score and another on how to be a better listener, plus lots of other episodes on all sorts of topics. If you love LifeKit and want more, subscribe to our newsletter at npr.org slash LifeKit newsletter. Also, we want to hear your tips. Leave us a voicemail at 202-216-9823 or email us at lifekit@npr.org. This episode was produced by Claire Marie Schneider. Special thanks to Andy Tagle and Claire Lombardo. Megan Kane is the managing producer. Beck Harlan is our digital editor. Beth Donovan is our senior editor. And David West is our intern. I'm Janice Torres-Rodriguez. Thanks for listening.
1: Capitalism touches every
0: part of our lives.
1: Capitalism is a giant force that I don't understand.
0: I feel that it's a very safe system. I am constantly in fear of losing my job. It
1: is our biggest success and our biggest failure.
0: On this special series from Throughline, Capitalism.
1: Listen now to the Throughline podcast from NPR.